And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Al Baker. He's been in the gospel ministry for well over 35 years and serves as an evangelist with Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship. And um, you've written three books, um, Seeking a Revival Culture, Revival Prayer, and Essays on Revival. Pastor Al, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure to be with you as well. You put out a mailing list, and I believe I receive those at least once a week, and it's always interesting uh, to see what God is doing uh, in the ministry. Uh, Al, as we start today, maybe you could share with the audience your observations on today's culture, You know, whether it's here in the Northeast, where we're originating from, uh, or the Southern states, and you've even traveled to a number of places around the world and seen and worked in churches in various places. Could you, first of all, kind of paint for us a, um, kind of a verbal description of, of what you see happening on the ground uh, around, around this world of ours? Yeah, well, let's start, first of all, in the United States. And um, I know a number of years ago <clears throat> we were hearing that somewhere around 30% of the American population or evangelicals that is born again. And I remember a Gallup poll a couple of years ago suggesting that the number was very much lower than that, perhaps 7%. And I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, and so that means there's a tremendous amount of work to be done. And then you notice as well that uh, there's a real problem in the industrialized part of our country with job loss and so forth. And what's fascinating to me and very sad is that over the last 15 years or so, there's been a dramatic increase in the death rate of white males, primarily age 45 to 54. And it's not what we might think, such as diabetes or heart disease, but actually it's suicide, heroin overdose, or problems with uh, alcohol and liver disease and so forth and other opiates that are are causing death. And so that begs the question, why is this? And some have suggested there's a remarkable sense of depression and a pessimism that's fallen upon many of these people, white people in the age 45 to 54. And then you, you begin to realize perhaps why that is. There's been at least 5 million uh, industrial jobs have been lost in the last 15 years. In 1960, for example, uh, 24% of Americans worked in industrial jobs to something like 8%. Also, when you adjust for inflation, the wage of these middle-class industrial workers has decreased 19% over the last 15 years. So there's real economic reasons for all of this. And, of course, when people are out of work, they have too much time on their hands, they're depressed, they get into drinking, they get into drugs and so forth. And uh, this is a real problem. In fact, uh, one person I read suggested that this rise in the death rate of middle class are uh, – these are all people, by the way, without a college education – the death rate is very similar to what happened with HIV a number of years ago. It is a major, major problem. And I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for the gospel. Now, when you realize 
what I just said about the uh, the job loss and so forth, we can also understand why Donald Trump, I think, was elected president. He really spoke to this constituency, this demographic, and so they really have bought into uh, his um, his views. Now, I, I really hope that, and I believe it's possible that there will be a, a great increase in jobs and the Northeast and the Rust Belt and places like that. I certainly hope so. But even if there, even if that happens, that doesn't mean that people's hearts have been changed. People can have a better economic outlook. They can have uh, better jobs. They can have a better standard of living and so forth. It'd still be dead in their sins and still need a Savior. And so regardless of what happens in that area, there needs to be a great movement of God amongst folks like this, but certainly in the urban centers as well and around the country. So that's just one example that's uh, of why we're in trouble, and yet the gospel is always the answer, Dan. Mm, amen, Pastor Al. Um, people are in great need spiritually, and you're pointing to the fact that um, the problems on the ground in society really spring out of heart issues. That's right. Uh, the problem of the heart is the heart of the problem, as I like to say. Mm. And um, people have, uh, we're all born with uh, a rebellious heart, a rebellious nature. It goes back to Adam's sin. Uh, Adam's sin was imputed to all of us, according to Romans 5, verse 12 and following. And so we're just, we're born with this uh, bent toward uh, rebellion against God. It's just in every one of us. And and so that's got to change, and that's, that's what uh, Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And so we can be in church, and of course that's important, and we can listen to good sermons and be in small groups and Sunday school and read good books, and all of these things are very, very important. And we certainly should do this with our children and our grandchildren, but until and unless people have the heart of stone, as Ezekiel calls it, replaced with a heart of flesh, that uh, God takes out the rebellious heart and gives us a heart that loves Him and wants to serve Him. Until that happens, then really, we're not going to see change. And so this is a supernatural work that the Holy Spirit must do. I like that. Uh, You mentioned it's a supernatural work, and um, that goes along with the idea that if you have a heart of stone, or as other places would say, dead in our trespasses and sins, um, the, the basic setting, the basic condition is not to seek after God, is it? That's right. Paul makes that quite clear in Romans 3. He says, there are none who understand. There are none who seek for God. All have turned aside together, they become useless. And he says in uh, Ephesians 2, I think you're just kind of, you're quoting that, that um, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were living according to the course of this world, right. according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working among the sons of disobedience. That's how we were, all of us. And Paul goes on to say that some of us were indulging the desires of the mind, that is, we were thinking of uh, uh, worldly philosophies and uh, perhaps atheism or agnosticism, and he says some of you were indulging the desires of the flesh. But either way, you were still far, far away. And the wonderful news is that Paul then says, but God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace we've been saved. So it's all a work of his grace. And, you know, when we think about the, uh, the negative things in our culture and, and a lot of the negative things that are going on around the world, perhaps I can speak to that in just a moment, we have to remember <clears throat> that there's always hope in Jesus. Jesus can change an individual in an instant. He can change a family in an instant. He can change a community in an instant. So we must never lose hope of what God can do through the mighty work of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk about that somewhat now. Your experiences in uh, sharing the gospel and preaching it, and, um, you know, it, this, this is the proximate means that God uses to uh, bring people to himself, to, to enlighten them. So maybe you can share with us uh, what you've been involved in, what you're seeing. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, I, you know, Paul says that uh, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but how should they call upon him and whom they've not believed, and how should they believe in him whom they've not heard, and how should they hear without a preacher, and how shall he preach unless he is sent? And so, the, you know, the clear message that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 and other passages, and then the passages quoted from Romans 10, make it quite clear that we must go with the gospel to people. We cannot wait, sit around in our houses or in our church, and expect people to come in. Every now and then that might happen, but that's not the norm, and that's not what you see in Scripture. The apostles and the Lord Jesus went out to the people. So we have to be very intentional. And uh, one of the great illustrations of this is a good friend of mine named Paul Golden. Paul is a, about a 66-year-old man. He, was a, he had a, a bush hog business. Uh, he's from Childersburg, Alabama, just a good old country boy. Took him 20 years to get through seminary, going part-time. And the guy is an evangelist, and he took over this little bitty church in Talladega, Alabama, a little bitty town, pretty impoverished town. When he took the church over two years ago, they had three members all over the age of 75. (laughs) And uh, he, and I've, I've been with him a few times, but he's got about 20 people that over the last couple of years regularly have gone door to door in that community and tried to share Christ with people. Paul and his people in the last two years have made 1,200 visits Mm. door to door, and they have followed up with um, a number of other visits. They followed up with 800 visits, and they've had 65 people call in the name of the Lord, and now their church has about 25 people in it. And the people in the church are African-American, Hispanic, white, generally poor. But it has been hard work, but he's gone after the people. And that's what we have to do. And hmm. a couple of weeks, <clears throat> I'm going to be at the Super Bowl with about 100 other men, and we will go out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we will preach there at the Super Bowl venues for about eight hours. We'll have a hundred of us. There'll be teams of ten each in various parts uh, around the Super Bowl venues. And uh, we will preach Christ, and we will be giving out gospel tracts. And we're praying for God to lead us to people who are open and receptive to hear the gospel. 
I know a couple weeks ago I was preaching at the University of Alabama football game, and uh, as I was preaching, two young uh, female college students stopped, were listening, and one of our men with me began to share the gospel with both of them as I was preaching, and they both called in the name of the Lord. So this happens, but we have to go out with the gospel. That's the key. Some folks, um, myself included, uh, feel a, a fear of meeting with people of talking uh, that will mess things up, that they'll will hurt the situation more than we help it. Uh, what do you advise people like that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's natural for all of us to fear, uh, and that's not altogether bad. You know, we always hear that when you're going to do public speaking, if you're a little nervous, that's a good sign because <laughs> you know your body's getting you ready for the for the task at hand. And so it's it's not it's not abnormal to have a little bit of fear. Mm. I think that, uh, you know, First John tells us perfect love casts out fear. And when we truly believe the gospel message, the glory of it, it is good news. We tend to focus on the bad news. Well, we've got to tell them they're sinners. Oh, we've got to tell them they're going to hell without Jesus. And that's all true. But the good news that Jesus came to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all, as the Apostle Paul said, when we really begin to think on the magnificent message of freedom in Christ, forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, that helps us overcome our fear. And I think it's important that we ask God to work in our hearts and give us a genuine love for people. We're not being hateful. We're not being spiteful. We're not being arrogant. We've, we, it's like a beggar who's found bread telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm. It is a glorious thing. And so I think that helps us. And I think also we just have to get out and do it. And in my flesh, I don't want to go out and share the gospel. I can think of a million reasons not to do it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we just have to go do it. It's like if somebody wants to get into an exercise program, they know they need to do it, but they keep putting it off. And then they finally start, and once they start, well, that wasn't so bad, and then they could kind of build up from there. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's very similar in the area of evangelism. I know of a fellow, I talked to him some time ago, I, I assume he's still doing this, that he works with his pastor. It's, it's in the northern New Jersey area, I think in the Wayne area, where they, they go out maybe one day a week and go into the mall and uh, have a little questionnaire, and if the person is willing to you know, answer the questions and then provide an opportunity to to share the good news of Christ. Um, and so it's kind of um, kind of a, a soft approach and a, a respectful mm-hmm. approach. And uh, I was impressed when I, I talked to this man. We interviewed him and his pastor one time here on this program, and uh, I thought that's wonderful what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I contrast that with now and then you'll see a video online or something where somebody is totally obnoxious and they're uh-huh. they're just mean spirited towards uh-huh. the people that they want to win over and i it uh-huh. seems to me that, that that's like a no brainer you don't do it that way no 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 i mean you you look look at jesus look what he did you know the the crowds they the crowds flocked to him because they knew that he had a message they they began to understand through his miracles and so forth that he was in fact the messiah they were in great need. You know, the people who were walking in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah prophesied. And so it is a, it, we're, we're to be winsome, 
we're to be gracious, we're to be kind, we're to be respectful, and um, and we're to uh, to listen to people too. Uh, you know, we sometimes we preachers especially want to do all the talking, and we need to listen to people. Let them let them uh, kind of say what they need to say. One of the things I do, for example, is I'll go to a college campus. And I'll walk up to students and just start talking to them about various things. And I'll say, you know, I'm just curious. Um, I, what do you think are the major problems we face in our world today? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they'll tell me, well, you know, uh, school debt, and I don't know if I'm going to get a job when I get out, and those sorts of things. Or sometimes they'll talk about political issues, maybe racism or, or what violence or whatever. And I'll listen to them. I say, well, yeah, you know, I can see that. I can see why you're concerned about all that. I, I say, I don't disagree with that, but can I kind of give you my take on things? They said, well, sure. I said, okay, well, I, I believe that all those things are true, but I think everybody has it basically the same three problems. And I say, wow, what's that? I said, well, I think the first problem is that we're born with this rebellious heart that, um, that just wants to do wrong. And I kind of illustrate that with some kind of funny illustrations from my grandchildren, that kind of thing. Then I'll say, uh, now, because we have a rebellious heart, we have done things for which we are ashamed. We know that we're guilty. We know that we were wrong. And a lot of times I'll laugh, I'll say, I'll joke, I'll say, like, you know, you've done things you're, you don't want your parents to know about. And they kind of laugh, you know. <laughs> I said, well, we, uh, we've all done things that uh, God is displeased with. Therefore, we have a guilty past. Everybody has a guilty past. And then thirdly, said so I think we have a poisonous life. I mean, we say things that are destructive. You know, uh, parents to children, children to parents, one race to another race, husband to wife, all that. And I'll say the reason for that is, is uh, James in the Bible says that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Who can mm-hmm. tame it? And I'll say, now... I said, does that make sense to you? They go, oh, yeah, I can see that. I said, well, look. I said, now, look, here's my thing. I, I believe that the only way these three problems can be arrested is through Jesus. I'll say he can take out the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He can take your filthy past and take it away from you, and he does it by his death on the cross, he takes our sins as far as the east is from the west, and I'll go into all the, to the glorious things about the, the work of Christ on the cross. Then I'll say not only that, but thirdly, he can give you his Holy Spirit, who gives you the power to overcome your poisonous life. I said, I bet you know people who claim to be followers of Jesus. They're in church on Sunday, but they're acting like everybody else the rest of the week. And I'll, they show, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, why is that? And I said, well, here it is. The reason for it is is they still have a rebellious heart, and they still have a poisonous life. Mm. A real Christian is changed on the inside. God gives them a heart that loves God, and he gives the Holy Spirit who gives the power to overcome our sin. That's a Christian. And so, you know, it's so easy to get into the gospel. I'll tell you another thing that you could do. I've not actually done much of this, but, you know, you're seeing a lot of people today with tattoos. Well, if you think about it, People with tattoos, they're trying to send a message. They're writing on their bodies, and I'm not saying this is always true, but a lot of times these people are hurting in various ways, and and what a marvelous way to get into the gospel. Say, well, listen, I noticed your tattoo. Tell me about that. What does that mean? 
and get them to talking about mm. it because they love to talk about it. And then you say, and then then you're looking for an opportunity to kind of get in the gospel. So they kind of express some kind of hurt or or pain of some sort, and you say, well, you know, Jesus can help you with that. So there's mm. just any number of ways we can do it. And I think the big thing is that we have to just say, God, I am ready and willing. You give me an open door, I'll go through it, and look for that open door. Mm. Have you ever had the case where someone um, maybe was nasty, they called you a name for preaching the gospel, they verbally attacked you, and um, you just had to lay it aside and not follow that rabbit trail? Yeah, that's happened a few times. Uh, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, again, you have to ask yourself, well, did I, was I being disrespectful yes. in any way? Was I, was I bringing it on myself? And I don't think I've done that, but it's always important that we at least ask that question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if we have, then we need to repent and maybe even apologize to people. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe that's what we need to do. But, but, but assuming that you're just preaching the gospel and uh, people are offended by the gospel, well, you know, Jesus says, if, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So that's part of it. Uh, but we should always turn the other cheek. We're to pray for those who persecute us. Uh, we're to bless those who persecute us. Uh, just smile and and uh, take it and just uh, be, be gracious and kind. That's, yeah. that's the way we should do. That comes from the new nature. It certainly isn't uh, normal human nature to respond oh, that way. Oh, no, no, no. In our, in our flesh, we want to react. We want to defend ourselves, uh, absolutely. But hmm. that's, why you have to, that's why you have to be filled with the Spirit when you're evangelizing and, um, and just utterly and completely dependent upon God. That's the beauty of, of evangelism. And I think it's one of the reasons that when we evangelize, we feel his pleasure, because we were recreated to be his witnesses. And when we are doing what he wants us to do, we do feel his pleasure in an unusual way. And when we have to, when we get out of our comfort zone and trust him, and he, we see him meet us and give us the words to say, it is a powerful thing in our lives. Yeah, amen. In the last couple minutes remaining, uh, any stories from overseas that you would like to share? Well, I just got back from Cape Town, South Africa uh, last week, and um, I just love that country, and uh, it has a rich heritage, a rich Christian heritage. Of course, they've had trouble uh, with race relations uh, for the, over the years with apartheid and, and all of that. And yet, uh, in the midst of all that, uh, God has done a great work uh, in the past, they're struggling now economically and politically. They seem to be going down quite a bit uh, in every area, and yet it's in that context very often that God does His greatest work. And so there's a there's a there's a keen interest in the gospel in that country, and so uh, very thankful for what's going on there. We were at the waterfront in Cape Town a couple of Saturdays ago, and. And I was able to do some open-air preaching there at a venue, and there was thousands of people there. And then we went to Musenberg Beach on January 1st. That's a big, big holiday there. Of course, it's summertime, so there. So uh, maybe, I don't know, fifty to 100,000 people were there. We were able to witness to many, many people over several hours. So it's just, it's just a tremendous opportunity everywhere in the world. I'll be going back to India in a couple of months, 
and there's a great movement of God there as well. So God is at work powerfully around the world. We don't need to to um, to be negative or or be uh, uh, down about this because God's doing a great work. Mm, amen. And um, is there any uh, website or maybe somebody would like to sign up for your newsletter or whatever? Please share that with our listeners. Yeah, sure, Dan. Um, you can reach me at pefministry.org. That's like Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship, pefministry.org. And uh, my sermons, a lot of my sermons are archived there, and my writings and so forth are there. And we'd love for people just to correspond with me in any way they wish, and uh, we'd just love to hear from people. Yeah, I believe you're friends with uh, some of the folks we have interviewed previously. I believe uh, Peter Hammond is one of your good buddies. Absolutely, yes. Well, I was with Peter a couple weeks ago down in Cape Town. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And uh, Harry Reader, perhaps? Yes, Harry's a good friend of mine. Uh, I go to his church when I'm in town. I was there this past Sunday. Oh, He's doing a, nice. a new sermon series this year on revival, which uh-huh. is very powerful. And I'll be speaking at his Embers to a Flame conference on Friday uh, in a couple of days. So uh, we're very excited about the opportunity to work with Harry as well. That's beautiful. I'm going to do something that we've never done before here on A Plain Answer and just ask you to pray with our listeners over the air and ask God for revival uh, in our midst. All right. Father, we do thank you for this amazing gospel, and we are debtors to people because you have been merciful to us. And Lord, um, we're thankful for our nation. We're thankful for the audience here on the Redeemer Network, and we ask, Father, that you would strengthen these, your servants, with power uh, by your Spirit in the inner person. We pray that Christ would dwell in the hearts by faith. We pray they'd be rooted and grounded in love. We pray they'd know the height and depth and breadth and length of the love of Jesus. We pray they'd be filled up to all the fullness of God. Lord, we do pray for our nation that you would pour out your Spirit that you would give us an intolerable burden, that we would have an earnest desire to see you do a mighty work again. We've seen revival numerous times in the past. We desire to see it again. So, Lord, would you have mercy upon us? We know we deserve wrath because we've turned away from you. But in your wrath, we ask that you would remember mercy as Habakkuk prays. So, Lord... Thank you for this ministry. Would you continue to bless Dan and those working with him? And we pray for the anointing of your spirit on the true preachers of the gospel in this nation. Father, hear our prayer, because we make it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Pastor Al Baker, thank you for joining us today on A Plain Answer. It's a pleasure. Thank you. God bless. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.